the VCA Voice podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marie Curl. Our goal with the VCA Voice is to showcase how VCA Animal Hospitals is taking care of the future of veterinary medicine. We'll bring our purpose to life through meaningful conversations about care, our culture, and the communities we serve. On today's episode, I'm happy to welcome Garrett Lewis, who is the Chief Operating Officer for VCA Animal Hospitals. Hello, Garrett. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm well. How are you today? I'm doing great. Great to be here. Perfect. Well, I'm going to jump right in with some questions for you. And the first question is that most of my guests have been veterinary technicians or veterinarians, and you've had a decidedly different career path than that. So tell me a little about your background and career trajectory and how you got where you are now. Yeah, that sounds great. I appreciate the opportunity. So uh, today, as you said, I'm the chief operating officer for VCA, and I live here in Los Angeles with my wife and my young son and my 14-year-old dog, Makers. And at VCA, my responsibility is our almost 1,000 hospitals uh, in the U.S., as well as Brazil. Uh, in addition, I've got responsibility for those teams that support those hospitals. And that includes marketing, pricing, uh, innovation, and real estate and construction. So that's where I am today, but I'll take you back from the story to where things started and, and how I found my way here. I grew up in a town very different than Los Angeles, so <laughs> uh, somewhat like yourself, Marie. Yep. Uh, you know, a southern town. It's it was a small town in East Tennessee at the foothills of the Appalachia. Um, it was the kind of town where you knew your neighbors. Um, I was very lucky because I had my whole family there. And in this town, I grew up with uh, pets. I had a dog that I loved growing up. But admittedly, I didn't have much exposure to the veterinary profession, and and it was not on my radar. Something I was going to do in the future. Probably one of the really formative moments, though, as I explain how I made it you know, here to VCA is, you know, like many of your listeners, when I was young, I was six years old, uh, my parents separated. And it was my mother, my younger brother. And I remember this moment where, you know, she turned to me and said something to the effect of, I'm going to need your help. You know, I'm going to need your help for me, for your brother, you know, this family. And I have remembered that to this day, you know, this idea that you know, that I can be here to help and sort of the, the deep sense of responsibility around that and being on teams that help others is something that was part of me from a young age. Fast forward, you know, as I, as I made my way through high school, I had a number of interests. You know, one of the other big ones was being part of uh, teams, sports. I was very active in sports. And so being part of a team or leading teams was a big part of who I was. I, in fact, went on to play sports at the University of Tennessee. So I went to University of Tennessee and studied finance. While I was there, I also ran track and field. And you know, as I stepped back and just from an educational standpoint, I later went on to receive my MBA, where I studied more of a general management curriculum. And from a work perspective, in my career took me across a number of different industries of different sizes. I was in very large industries. I was also did startups, very early stage companies. I worked in manufacturing plants. I worked in retail settings. I worked in a wide range of different job opportunities, but there are a couple of things that were formative for me. I think the first one was my very first job out of school. It was a rotational finance leadership program. In some ways, you can think about this just like you think about interns who go into rotational programs in our hospitals. Mm -hmm. So our interns receive training in different departments to give them exposure and figure out uh, what it is that they're really passionate about, where they like to follow, and to give them just simply better training as a veterinarian. 
I did something somewhat similar in finance. So for four years, I rotated through different businesses, mm-hmm. again, learning how to help inside a manufacturing plant, learning how to help business owners grow their business. One of my really, again, formative assignments was with a company that has, it was failing. It had actually gone bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And I've been sent in with a small team to try and to fix it, to turn around. And coming out of that experience, what I learned was I really liked helping people solve these types of problems. I really enjoyed working on teams. And I actually didn't want to specialize in finance. I want to do something broader. And so that's why I went back to get my MBA. And when I came out of it, I soon in the subsequent years found myself in what I would call the really second important experience I had, which was there were teams in Northern Vermont. It was a team of stitchers and they had just all been laid off because stitching, just like most of the US, was being sent off to China. And we had this wonderful opportunity to go back in there and offer them jobs and create a business that could add value here in the US. They could continue working. And I worked on this for about a year. I was driving up to Northern Vermont early in the mornings on Mondays and I returned home on Fridays to Connecticut, where I was living at the time. But it was the first time in which I saw just the human impact you could make in helping people and helping people get up on their feet and helping them be successful. It was the first time I had led large teams and you know, experienced what it was like leading those teams, um, what motivated people, how to understand their issues. And really from then on too, I said, it's really important that I'm involved in mission-driven businesses, something that was doing something better for the world. From that experience, I went on to work in a disability services business where we were helping people coming back from the wars in Afghanistan, as well as U.S. citizens to receive disability uh, benefits. And then before I came to VCA, immediately before I came to VCA, I was working in the kidney care business, helping people to receive dialysis treatments. Again, the common thread in all these was mission-driven businesses, helping people and you know, solving real problems for you know, real folks. What attracted me to VCA from this dialysis business was three things. One, I absolutely saw the mission and I fell in love with it. So mm-hmm. caring for pets and by extension, people, you know, their pet owners, was really attractive to me. Two, I guess two and three is what I saw in VCA was a very entrepreneurial company and a very innovative company. And that was attractive to me. As I said previously, I'd worked in some startups and early stage companies and loved the culture and environment around those type of, of businesses. But what VCA uniquely had was it was larger. It had resources. And I'm not talking about just financial. I'm talking about people, wonderful people all over the country with medical expertise, that we could really change this industry, really push the profession forward. So this combination of being both entrepreneurial, innovative, and having these resources and being a mission-driven business was really attractive to me. And so I joined VCA in 2016 and just had an amazing experience for three years before coming here to Los Angeles. about the art of being a part of a field team and working with a large group of individual care providers? Yes. Um, I'd say this for those for your listeners who aren't as familiar, you know, if you're listening and you're coming from a private practice, uh, the roles that you have in that hospital, those leadership roles, you probably have a medical leader. You know, it's a doctor who's helping lead the medical team. You may have a, a, a technician leader who's a, a technician manager, a supervisor, or something to that effect, and then also a hospital manager, a practice manager. When you work in an organization like VCA or, or others who have multiple hospitals, 
what you end up doing is having very similar roles, but at at a regional level. So you know, in our organization, we've got people who at the regional level who help lead a, a team of, say, 12 hospitals, maybe 15 hospitals. And then above them, you've got someone who may lead a group of six or seven regions. And what you find in these support teams is very similar roles. You've got someone there who we call regional operations directors or group operations leaders who've got medical leaders on their team. So they've got doctors who help to drive and improve medicine and ensure that we've got great quality care for pets in our hospitals. And then we've also got uh, leaders on the technician side. So we've got technical leaders who also help to ensure that we've got the training, that there's a career path where there's uh, technical leaders in our hospitals, veterinary assistants, et cetera. And then we've got someone whose primary responsibility is the operations. And you know their job is to ensure that we've got great client experience, we've got great care levels, um, and that these businesses you know, are, are being managed uh, successfully from a financial standpoint. So you know, those are all the roles. And I think maybe more to your question is the key piece of anyone who's in these roles is you've got to love working with people. Hmm. Now, it's a people business. It's a service business. And you've got to enjoy all aspects of people. People have great days. They've got tough days. You know, they've, they've got days where they may not be so fun to be around. But you've got to really embrace all those aspects. You've got to be able to listen and really understand what issues people are facing so that you can help them and your team can help them solve them. So for me, you know, being part of a field team, number one is it's enjoying working with people. Uh, two is you've got to really care about our mission, uh, which is caring for pets. And you've got to care about the quality of that service you know, the quality of our medicine and be ready and really excited about using all the resources that you've got to do that. And again, you've got a great team. Mm-hmm. But you utilize that full team to make sure that we are delivering great patient care. And then, you know, lastly, I'd say it is a responsibility in these teams to ensure the sustainability of these practices for generations to come. And what that really means is balancing these interests. We've got to have great care for pets. We've got to have great resources and advance our employees or our associates in their profession. And we've got to make sure that these hospitals financially are managed well so that they will again be there not just today but tomorrow and for decades to come. You know, I find a lot of times when I'll talk to a leader inside of a hospital who I think would make a great regional leader, they're often really nervous about or doubt their abilities on the finance side. Mm -hmm. Um, They think that that's the number one requirement. And it's not, you Mm -hmm. know, it is an important piece of it because you've got to be able to manage the business. So you've got to understand what's happening in your hospitals. But the most important piece is those first two things, you know, working with people, and really caring about the pet care. In VCA, we talk about providing world-class medicine and hometown care. Can you tell me what that means to you and how we live that in VCA? Yeah, I, I really love this question. Hometown care, for me, means that we're focused on being there for our communities. So each of our hospitals should reflect their communities. So when you walk into a VCA hospital, of course, there are things that are common across all VCA hospitals, things like um, our standards of care and the equipment you'll find. But for the people, those people uh, are and should be very ingrained in the community. And most of the hospitals at VCA have been part of those communities for decades. You know, when, when hospitals join BCA, it's typically because someone's owned the hospital for a number of years and they're either 
at the point of retirement or, or they're earlier in their career and they just simply want to focus on pet care. But I'd say the, the majority of our hospitals, many of them still have the former owners inside. Uh, many of them, you know, their parents, either mother or father, you know, started the hospital and they're just continuing that legacy. So for me, hometown care is, it's about focusing on that local hometown and the legacy of the hospital. Yeah, I think a quick neat story is a couple of years ago, we went and looked to see what was the, what was the oldest hospital that we had across VCA. Mm-hmm. In the Midwest, we went and looked and we found a hospital in Minneapolis that was started by a veterinarian in the 1920s as he returned from World War I. Wow. And you think about that, you know, that hospital had been there for a hundred years and the responsibility that, that we had to that local community is, is deep and important. Um, so that's what I think about, you know, when I think about hometown care is that focus on that community you're serving. The world-class medicine piece, I think, is really exciting as well because it just simply means that when we're in a community, we're not just trying to bring the best medicine from that community. We're looking across the U.S. and increasingly across the world, you know, across the globe for what is the best practices in medicine? What is the best equipment? You know, our network, we've got for example, oncologists all across the country that as part of our Cancer Care Alliance, that they reference each other, you know, they reach out and ask for advice on different cases. So when we talk about world-class medicine, we are bringing to bear the expertise of a really large network so that in your local community, you can receive top-notch care. That's pretty special, I believe. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, and you've touched a couple of times in that on the concepts of medical quality and great patient care. How important are those two things in our overall business goals? You know, it is what we're here to do. So mm-hmm. it's the basis of everything that we do. If, if we're not delivering great care, then in many ways, we don't have a right to be there. You know, care, I, I'd use that term broadly as well. It, for me, care is also, it's access to the care. Mm-hmm. And then once they have the access, you know, what is the quality of the care that they're receiving? And we focus on both. We focus on how do we make it easier for our clients to reach us you know, in their times of need, whether it's for basic wellness services or if it's in urgent situations or emergencies or if they need a specialist. And so at every one of those points, you know, do we have a solution for them? And you know, what's, what is the level of that care? And we, of course, we strive to make sure that it's, it's the highest level. Yep. I certainly appreciate that very much. In your role as chief operating officer, can you share some of your main focuses? Yeah. So I think about these three, let's call them stakeholders for lack of a better term. I think first about our associates. Mm-hmm. You know, the second of this, let's call it three-legged stool, is, is our clients and their pets. And the third is just the practices in themselves. And that's an important you know, leg in this. Mm-hmm. So for associates, I think about every day is how do we make it easier for them to care for pets? What is our ways of working inside of a hospital that make that experience better? How do we ensure that they're getting the development, the training that they seek and they need? How do we make sure that they have a career you know, that's exciting for them? And then for the clients, again, we just spoke about you know, the access and the quality of medicine. It's very important. And then back to practice is how do we balance these things between the investments that we want to make in our people, the investments we want to make in our clients, which comes in different forms, and to ensuring that the financial viability of these practices you know, can continue for many years to come. Mm-hmm. The solutions there are, you know, I, I would say there's innovations. You know, we look for ways to just continue to innovating in all of our practices. 
you know, another word is continuous improvement. So what is the latest ways of working that we can bring in our hospitals to make it easier for our clients and, and ways that we can make it easier for our associates to work? share with me some of the challenges that are facing veterinary medicine now or some things that we haven't really dealt with before? Or maybe maybe we have, it's just been a while. So I entered the industry back in 2016. And I remember my first impressions were that the industry was steadily moving forward. And I remember though, from some of my colleagues, they were telling me that it was getting increasingly competitive. And I think at the time, for example, they would tell stories of 10, 15 years ago, there were only three or four other companies out there that were buying practices. And they said, Garrett, today there's you know a dozen. Well, fast forward to now, and there's well over 60. The level of competitiveness in our industry has increased greatly. And that's a good thing, you know, if not uh, a great thing in many ways. The industry has got great tailwinds to it uh, because the human-animal bond has never been stronger. More and more people want pets. They want to deliver great care for their pets. And that makes it a great place to be. So those factors have attracted a lot of competitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what it's made for all of us is it's, it's applied a really great pressure to say, hey, how can we do better? And how can we up our game and do better for our employees, our associates? Um, how can we do better for our, our clients and their pets? And it has spurred, again, more innovations. And so when I see the industry, of course, I'm sure many of you heard or read about the shortages of, of doctors, of technicians, and that's um, absolutely true. It was, a, it was a big issue throughout the pandemic and still an issue today. But increasingly, what I see are you know, other very good pressures. It's the pressure to make sure that we are doing best by both our clients um, and our associates. And I think that's what drives us. So, you know, I mentioned previously that one of my responsibilities was the innovation group. Mm-hmm. You know, on the innovation side, I guess I'll just sort of jump into this topic. Okay. I shared up front that one of the things that really attracted to me at BCA was the entrepreneurship that I saw and the innovation going on in our hospitals. All across our hospitals, our teams are seeing problems and they're coming up with solutions. What we now want to do with that is, is pair it with what I'll call more purposeful innovation. And when I came to this role in Los Angeles, we had a team of innovators on the digital side, mm-hmm. and they were coming up with all kinds of great tools to help our hospitals, new apps, et cetera. But what we said was, hey, what if we took this digital team and brought them into the hospital, into the four walls? Let's go and create a region of hospitals where we can test new ideas. So we'll continue to have all the local, call it organic or natural innovations that's occurring, but also let's be more purposeful in our innovation. So we created that team a couple of years ago, added eight hospitals to this innovation region, and began just testing ideas um, that could help in those areas I mentioned before. Better experience for our associates, better experience for clients. And we've had a couple of really uh, cool, important innovations come out of that experience. One was urgent care hospitals. Mm -hmm. So we saw during the pandemic that clients were really struggling to get in for urgent issues. And this problem was overwhelming our emergency hospitals. We said there must be a better way. And we began having conversations and plans to open up an urgent care hospital inside this innovation group. We did that and had a tremendous response from our clients, people who could now same day get in and address issues with their pet. 
since then, we've now decided to scale it. Mm-hmm. So it went from just a small innovation idea to we'll open up 100 urgent care hospitals in the coming years. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other key innovations that I want to highlight, one of them which is the biggest problem when I worked in human medicine and that I saw when I came to veterinary medicine was that doctors spent so much time on administrative tasks. And I would hear this all the time. Uh, doctors would pull me aside. I'm sure you experienced some of the same things, mm-hmm. Marie. Yeah, absolutely. And just say, hey, I, I'm spending so much time on medical records and callbacks, et cetera, you know, help. <laughs> and in this case, an innovation came from one of our hospitals. It was one of our client experience managers who went to her human doctor and noticed that they were using a virtual medical scribe. Mm-hmm. She brought that idea back to her hospital and tested it with her doctors. And immediately it changed lives. Some of the doctors in that hospitals who were previously spending hours at the end of their day doing medical records, they were doing it after dinner at home. They were missing their kids' soccer on Saturdays because they were trying to catch up. And today we've got virtual scribes who are helping our doctors not spend hours, but spend minutes completing the medical records. And this is an example where innovation can really help push forward our profession and help people in meaningful ways, doctors and others to improve their lives. So I'm really proud of the work that we've done in that area. Yeah. The other thing you may comment on, if you if you don't mind, is a little bit about the live chat and some of the telehealth offerings that I think have really helped our clients. Yes. Yeah. There's so many. I mean, the telehealth <laughs> is one of the early innovations that we did and it was born of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was originally born because we wanted to help our associates. In the pandemic, we immediately saw that many of our technicians and others were you know, forced to home for various reasons. And so we said, is there some opportunity to utilize their skills and work from home? And telehealth as a service had been out there for a few years. It was primarily done by other companies, third-party companies with doctors. And we said, let's bring this in-house. We can train our doctors and credential techs to provide the service and provide this telehealth service to all of our clients. Mm-hmm. So we, we began in the summer of 2020. And then today, any VCA client has access through their phone to 24-7 service from this team. So if you're concerned about your dog in the middle of the night, you can pick up your phone and contact one of our credential technicians who will give you, you know, guidance on whether or not, yes, you need to take your dog in emergency or you know, no, you can wait until tomorrow to try and see your GP doctor or maybe go to an urgent care. So I'm really proud of what our teams have done there to help clients and to help their pets. too much more time. So in closing, I wanted to get your perspective. Since you joined veterinary healthcare from the outside, what are some words of wisdom to share for anyone that might be considering making a similar move into this industry? And what kind of backgrounds would people need? Yeah, great question. Uh, When when I joined in 2016, I was leaving human medicine. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling some of my peers where I was going. And most of the times I got a little bit of a blank stare. They (laughs) <laughs> I actually didn't even know that this was a thing. Uh, they knew about their local animal hospital, but they didn't know uh, that this could be a profession for other roles outside of those inside the hospital. You know, since then, over the past seven years, more and more people that I know have come into this industry, whether it's from human medicine or, or others, and they love it because what they find is what I found. It's a mission-driven business. Pets and the people who love pets are wonderful to work with. And they see the growing need. Uh, We talk about the animal bond. 
and it has truly never been stronger. All the trends are going towards people being closer and closer to their pets and really caring about their health. You know, we see trends towards more and more preventative care, which is wonderful to see. We see trends towards owners caring about things like dentistry, you know, for their mm-hmm. pet. So it's an industry that's, that's got a, a wonderful future in it. Uh, I'm biased. I'm at VCA. I think we do an amazing job. And I think the things that we're doing are truly taking care of the future of veterinary medicine. But there are other wonderful places you know, to be in this industry. And I think there's a lot of companies, a lot of people doing great work. So it's got a bright future and I would absolutely recommend anybody to join it. Well, thank you so much for that, Garrett. It's been great to talk with you and I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks so much, Marie. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing. Don't forget to leave a review to let us know your thoughts and share the episode with friends. Follow VCA Animal Hospitals on social media at LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more inspiring stories, visit our website at vcavoice.com.